Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 459 for Tuesday, the 5th of July, 2016. So nice to have you here. I'm Robbie Ferguson, your host, and it asks that you please help me welcome my co-host tonight, Jeff Weston. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. Tonight's going to be a great show. We're going to awesome be looking. Show. You brought your uh, your uh, Raspberry Pi yes. three in with you, and I promise that hey, if you brought your Raspberry Pi three, we're going to learn to turn it into a Plex media yes. server. I've been asking you about this for a long time. Well, the nice thing about Plex Media Server is it's going to allow you to stream your video collection to all of your devices. I am so excited because we've got three different devices in our house. And they're all standalone, and it's horrible for trying to watch something. We're going to centralize the, all that oh, using wait. a Raspberry Pi 3, so you want to stick around. I, you know, I can't wait. Me too. Oh, it's going to be fun, folks. Good times. Okay, so should we talk about the news? Please do. Okay, well, here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. London police may soon, soon turn to drones to give chase to motorbike thieves. Ransomware is on the rise. Go figure. The new Ubuntu phone specs have been released. Uh, they've been leaked, actually, not released, but leaked, and it's nothing short of incredible. The first death while driving a Tesla car in autonomous mode has occurred, and it looks like the driver was watching a movie when it happened. And many of Jupiter's mysteries are soon to be uncovered as the second spacecraft in history has made orbit of the largest planet in our solar system yesterday. Stick, ar uh, stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Jeff, it's so great to have you here. Glad to be here. Feels a little warm in Studio D today, though. It's like stupid warm mm, today. Maybe we should turn on our Minority Report-style clock fan. Yeah, you're... What? No way. What? Okay. Trippy. And you know That's just cool. I just, okay, I started a new position in, in my office yesterday. Yeah. And I've been looking for a fan to get in my office. There you go. I'm, you just found it. I am getting one of these. This is one of our big sellers this week on our website. Uh, you I can, can actually, <clears throat> well, you, it's cheap, and you can head on over to Cat5, uh, sorry, shop.category5.tv. And over in the right hand side, there's a little search. Type in fan. How easy is that? It's very easy. For the record, it's if that cool. thing stays on the whole show, I'm not going to be paying attention You're to just gonna, it. Whoa. I'm just going to be watching it. We're going to be like Darth Vader. Well, it, it even has a second hand. That's crazy. Yeah, do you guys see that moving around? It's hard to see. I know that it has a little bit of a flicker on camera because we're 30 frames a second. But it's, uh, it's actually pretty cool. You want to reach out and touch it. I, I do want to touch it. That's kind of neat. Uh, our biggest seller this week is actually these guys. Oh, House of Marley. The House of Marley Rebel BT <sighs> headphones. You notice there are no wires. How did these ones sound, Jeff? Those are okay, by far the best headphones I've ever put on. That's what you said last time we talked about it. I know. And House of Marley said, whoa, really? Yes. You think so? And this box came today. Are you kidding what me? What does it say right there? Attention, Jeff. Yes! You'll notice I already opened the box. I'm not used to I, I did. getting packages for other people. You better get into this. Oh, dude. Um, they also heard that it was your birthday. <laughs> and incidentally, you said, I want one of these for my birthday. Did I actually say that? You did actually say that. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I'm going to be watching that fan and listening to music 
for the entire episode. That's the entire show, folks. Yeah, that, so have that, a great oh. night, and uh, we'll talk to you later. I love my Rebel BTs. I'm excited. If you about haven't this. already got a pair, head on over to cat5.tv/headphones. And when I say they're hot sellers this week, I mean it. We're actually running low on stock. Really? So make sure you get your order in today, and uh, that's going to ensure that you get a, uh, a Rebel BT from House of Marley. They sound amazing. They're very comfortable for extended wear, and uh, you've seen them here on the show. We did a full yes. review as we kind of tried them out for the first time, and and since then I use them practically all the time. And I love them. I, Batteries I, last forever, too. I am, can't wait for the show to end. So <laughs> and once again, that's it. That's all the time that we have tonight, folks. So have a great day. Jeff, you picked up a, uh, an amazing computer through one of our partner links. I one did, of the ways yes. that you can support us. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, for those who didn't hear, you went to yeah. category5.tv. That's right. Clicked on our partners. Yeah, and I bought a computer through Newegg. Okay. Uh, it's a CyberPower PC. Uh, this thing is incredible. Nice. I, I have not had a desktop in a long time. Uh, okay. I've been running my with laptops for about seven or eight years, and I decided it's time for me to go back to a laptop. A desktop. A desktop, sorry, yep. yeah. Um, you know, something to get some dual purpose going with the Linux and the Windows. My the wife, power of a desktop computer. Yeah, and uh, I love this thing. I've had it for a few weeks. Um, other than issues with Windows and, you know, that red screen It's not the death. computer's fault. No, it's not the computer's not fault. The computer's Definitely fault. not. It's Windows. Um, I love this thing, but there's one part with this computer I cannot figure out. We looked at it on the show. We said, what is yes. this backplane? I think we've covered it on two different episodes yeah, well, and we C still can't figure it out. C128D keeps it going on YouTube. Has he? This week says, Jeff! Oh, do you want to pull this thing up? All Those right. are not red switches! And I'm going to interject, but I think he's saying, you idiot! <laughs> you idiot! Okay, well, for the record, they're switches. They are latch handles, according to C128D. So let's, let's look at them in a second. Okay. It says they are not electrical, they're mechanical. It says hook your finger into one of them and give a slight pull, and the door that the handle is connected to will open, revealing what... C128D suspects is a hot swap bay. And uh, if you, oh, and says, goes on to say, if you post a link for the computer in question, I'll research it and verify this, but 98% sure. Okay, so it's not a hot swap bay. What is it? This is just a fancy fan dangled uh, cover. cover, just a dust cover. So I guess you can take it off and it has a very fine mesh so you can yeah. blow out the dust that gets sucked in through there. Yep. So we still have the question of this backplane. That's correct. Okay, can I? Yes. So this backplane hits right here. Yeah. So let's C128D, we're going to do this. All right. So you have a screwdriver here somewhere? I do here have a screwdriver. Go. One of these great Kingston screwdrivers that come, comes with the kit. Let's use a flathead. I'm going to use this. We're going to do a little bit of prying. I hate to pry, Jeff. Well, I'm going to uh, let you this time. Okay. Let's see what's behind door number one. Oh, come on. It's on there real good, and I even scratched it for you. Oh! That's the official Category 5 scratch. <laughs> Goodness me, Jeff. See, this is my issue. I can't get into there. You can't get in, and you can't see what it is. It does not look like a backplane at all. No. 
I, I mean, it does on the outside, but there's no access. And it's if you can get your fingers in there, it's I'm actually trying. hollow inside, so something should fit in there. It but seems like it should be a drive tray, like uh, one of these guys. Right. Right? But I can't access. But you can't get the front. Okay. It is a mystery. Let's look a little closer here. All right. Can we... Let's flip this over, Jeff. Okay. Let's get a look. This is for C128D and all of those viewers who are like, what is this thing? Okay, so this is this is bolted on. This is screwed on. The face, I'm thinking maybe pull the face off. Let's grab my handy little flashlight here. <gasps> okay, they're not screwed on. So, if I can get in here, Jeff, with my sausage fingers... <laughs> Are you going to need access from the other side as well? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let me just pull the side panel. Is it off? Almost off. Okay. You tell me when. Off. All right. Let's get a good look here. All right. So, yeah, so there are these little nub-like guys that don't want to release. You want to... There's okay, one. Okay, that's one. There's two. two. Let's many? try for three. There's three. Oh, we are almost there, Jeffrey. Almost. Ha! We're going to figure this out, folks. Are we able to get it from the other side, too? I think we're going to have to. All right. Let's see. Okay, one. I feel like we're doing surgery or something. We are doing surgery. you got to remove some of the back plane there. Okay, keep going, keep going. C-128D is on the edge of their seat. Come on, baby! You need three people to do this. <laughs> Jeff's just kind of like Wilson hanging out behind the uh, <laughs> yes. computer over there. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that show in years. Yeah. Why won't this one come out? Uh, that's the one. That's the one of the, the, one that's the just, nub of where's death. Where's that uh, screwdriver? It's right here. Let me see if I can push Think it. you're going to try it? Sorry for the scratch, by the way. That's all good. Oh, there we go. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, what do we got here? Ah! Oh! It's a backplane tray. Look at that. It is. It's got SATA backplane. There you go. Okay, so. That was the most difficult piece to access I've ever seen. Holy cow! Jeff, you're not going to believe why I couldn't get these off. They are, they open that way. Oh, my goodness. They're a door. All right, then. So somehow. But oddly, okay, okay, but oddly okay. enough, it no wouldn't. No way. Oh. So when that's in there, it won't open. Oh, for shipping, they put these in. Now we know. That makes sense. Okay, let's put the. My face is just a desktop tonight. Yeah. <laughs> All you see is Your a mohawk. Your face has never looked better, Jeff. Look at that. It's a desktop with a mohawk. Just like that. Cool. <laughs> All right. So let's put this back on here. If I can find out how. Yeah. Looks like it snaps in from the top and then... Yeah, it kind of does. There we go. There we go. Here I am trying to pry it off. Okay. okay, are you ready for this C-128D and everyone else at home who's been wondering about this? And Jeff? That, my dear friends, that's how it's meant to look. 
Look at that, Jeff. See, now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. But I couldn't figure it out because I couldn't open it. It's almost like they took the cover off and put it back together wrong. Yeah. So we have a dual SATA backplane here for hot swapping a hard drive. Right. So you could use that for backups, external backups. You could use that to extend your storage. How fantastic is that? That's awesome. Now you know, buddy. Now there's no mystery left on the computer. No mystery. <laughs> no mystery. Wow, that's there we exciting. Go. All right, so this this was not it. This was just a... There we go. I think that's on there. No, it doesn't look Butte. like it. Now it's on. There, there we you go. go. All right. We solved the mystery tonight, Jeff. We did. There you go. I'm going to put that down. And... At least you can't see the scratch when the tray's in. <laughs> oh, sorry, you heard that? I heard nothing. Now we know. Now we know. Only took us three episodes. I know. <laughs> we didn't know. Do we? Did we look? No. All right. Well, that's uh, that's that. Uh, we've got to take a really quick break. We're going to be right back with uh, looking at the Raspberry Pi and Plex Media Server. So excited! Right after this. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. Yeah, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. That's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. Ooh. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome back to the show. We were looking at Jeff's computer there just mm -hmm. before the break. Um, one thing that, it, that hit me during the commercial there is that um, you got to watch that your kids don't go and pull out one of the drives yes. while it's hot. Well, I've trained my kids fairly well that you don't touch the computer. So okay. I think we're okay. But it's so intriguing. I had a computer set up uh, at a mutual friend of ours uh, place with a hot swap drive bay, and the drive happened to be the OS drive. Oh, no. And their kid came in and pulled out the oh, drive no. while it was hot. So while SATA is hot swappable, it's like a USB drive. You do need to make sure that there aren't read-write operations happening at right. the time. You've got to eject it safely first and then pull it out. But you don't have to necessarily turn it off. Right. But you don't want to pull it out while it's copying files and running an OS and this and that. That would be painful. So keep that in mind. I think that's going to do real well if you just stick a, an old laptop hard drive in there, like a 500 gig, and use it for your backups yes. just to keep redundant copies. Actually, with my laptop that I'm no longer going to be using, mm -hmm. uh, it's got two hard drives in it. So Oh, perfect. I'll use one of those Fantastic. For that. Yeah. Very good. Um, speaking of the technology at your place. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your multimedia situation. <laughs> oh, okay. 
So we've slowly been eliminating cable type services from our house over the years. Like the TV networks. Yeah, TV and networks, like that, stuff yeah. like that. And so it's been, you know, first it, we had uh, a Western digital player for. Uh, first, we were using the PlayStation for our, all of our DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. Okay, and that'll then, prematurely wear it out. Yep, and then PlayStation did an update, and some of our Blu-rays would no longer play. So oh, that's we, nice of them. Yeah, so we had to get a new system. So we got a Western Digital something or other, like a TV box from Western Digital yeah. or something. So we've been using that for a while, but that had limitations, and we couldn't, uh, you know, cast to it like you could with a Chromecast. So then we got a right. Chromecast. But then, because of the show, I keep hearing about Roku and our Western yeah. Digital. We've had it now for four years, and it's starting to fail. So I'm like, okay. well, we need something else. Yeah. But with all of that, we only have the one external hard drive. And so what's been happening is it's like, well, the kids are playing a, oh. on the PlayStation here, so now we're going to move the external hard drive to this TV. And so, this, so your hard actually drive is moving around. It around. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And I would assume that you're running into problems with compatibility of certain video yes, files. Yes, that happens as well. So some players will play the AVI, some won't. Some play MP4, some won't. And it got to the point where my wife was just frustrated. She's like, I don't know what plays and what doesn't. And so I'm like, well... Let me see if I can find something that works. So I asked you about retro, or uh, yeah, the, the, with the Raspberry Pi playing uh, Plex, Plex and Media yeah. Center. We're going to get into what Plex is and how it works, and we're actually going to install it on your Flex. Raspberry Pi for you. Yeah. Uh, I think it's our responsibility as men to take care of all the techno blips in our household in the event that our wife is frustrated. Absolutely. Of course, there are some very savvy women as well. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, but as uh, the tech guru in my household, yeah, I take a, a real pride in making sure that stuff works. Yep. And it doesn't always. And it's it like the smoothly. cobbler in his shoe and the kids with their old shoes. Yes. It sometimes happens that way. Yep. Yeah, it's got to run smoothly. So one of the things about Plex first of all, is it is a transcoder engine. What that means is you've got one server or computer or system, in this case it's going to be a Raspberry Pi 3, that acts as the connection for all of your devices. Mm -hmm. So your Chromecast connects to it to watch the shows. Your, uh, your Roku 2 connects to it to watch the shows. And by doing that, this server make sure that the file format going to those devices are the right format for that device okay. to play. So be it an AVI, an M4V, uh, any file format that you can throw at it, really, um, you put it on Plex instead of your device itself. Right. So then when I click on Plex and I browse through my library from my Roku, even though Roku may not be able to um, play AVI files you know, natively, Right. Plex will convert it on the fly without you ever having to see it happen instantaneously. In the amount of time that it's, it takes to go loading, it will convert it to the format that you need for watching it seamlessly on your Roku right. device. And that works on all of your devices as far as I know. Yet to find a, a current device that it doesn't play on, it'll work on your phone. You That's can install awesome. the Plex app. And you can I access it there. App. And then you can cast it to your Chromecast. Which is awesome. And you can use your Roku and you can use your computer through the browser. And it will also, I was reading, it will also allow you to access it remotely, will it not? If you set it up in your firewall, you could. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now, as far as, 
performance goes through the internet, that's going to be limited to your internet connections well, upstream. Course. And typically upstream for internet is relatively low compared to your downstream. The yes. service providers expect that you're doing more downloading than uploading, so streaming from Plex out to the world is going to use a lot of your, your bandwidth. But in-house, it gives you a centralized um, place for all of your media mm-hmm. in a very accessible format. I'm excited. Think of it like your own personal Netflix. Your home movies and it looks like everything it too. else. It really does. Yeah, I think I, I think I brought a little media library with me. Let's see here. I always carry some USB sticks with me. There we go. That's got some media, so we're going to use that for testing tonight. Perfect. We've got your Raspberry Pi that you brought in 20 minutes before the show. Yep. I've plugged it in. It's up and running. There it is. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually set this up as a Plex Media server. So this little device can be in a closet somewhere, plugged into Ethernet, or even on Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Although I would recommend that you use Ethernet if yeah. you can. And that is because if you've got the kids watching it on the TV and you're watching it on your phone and your tablet or whatever else, Wi-Fi bandwidth, as you know, is not as fast and reliable as Ethernet. Right. That said, the Raspberry Pi 3 has uh, 802.11n, so it's very, very fast Wi-Fi, but that doesn't mean that your wireless in-house is going to be able to handle that right. amount of bandwidth. So, um, so first of all, we, we started talking about you maybe pulling out your old computer and turning it into a Plex server. And yes. Immediately I said, mm, I don't know if it's going to be able to do it because it does have to do all that transcoding on the fly. It's got to be pretty powerful. And that's an old desktop. Yeah. Yeah. So I got looking at the, the Roku 3, or pardon, the Roku 3, <laughs> the Raspberry Pi 3. We're going to be throwing out a bunch of crazy brands tonight. So right. if I slip, you can correct me and laugh at me. Uh, we've got the Raspberry Pi 3, and I got looking at the specifications at 1.2 gigahertz with a quad-core processor. It's pretty darn fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Pi right out of the box has a gig of RAM. It's got um, a great video uh, a, a good performing video device. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really would work well. Not only could it be just the server in the back room, but maybe you plug it into one of your TVs as well and it becomes the Plex on that TV. Right. While exactly. all the other ones connect to it. So that's pretty brilliant. So jumping over to our Pi, uh, and I'm going to do my best with this because I'm actually, I've got keyboards all over the place. I've got keyboards and mice, and uh, I'm going to try to hit the right ones here. Okay, so on, my, on your Pi, I should say, let's first of all jump into our terminal, and what we're looking at here is Raspbian. This is Debian, so what we want to do is sudo apt-get update. This is the very first thing, and this is vanilla uh, Raspbian, okay? So this is typical Debian uh, instructions. It's ras- ras- uh, Raspbian Jesse, Debian Jesse, and uh, this is a free download from raspberrypi.org. Probably came pre-installed. Uh, a lot of the Pi units even come with it pre-installed. Yes. If you go to cat5.tv slash Pi, you'll get a micro SD card that has Raspbian already pre-set up for yes. it. Yes. All right. So looking at that, it's just getting my sources list and updating. That's the very first thing that you want to do. Next step, of course, is we want to do sudo apt get upgrade. That's going to go through our package list and make sure that everything is up to date. You'll notice that it says there's nothing to install on my system, and that's because just to save you some time tonight, I uh, pre-did that before the show. sudo apt-get dist-upgrade is the very next and final thing that we want to type in there. 
And there we go. So we've got all our updates. Now that process is probably going to take several minutes, maybe a half hour to an hour for you uh, if you've never run those commands because it's going to have to download all of the latest packages and the latest kernel and everything gets installed on your Raspberry Pi. It's important that you do that. We had a talk before the show about mm -hmm. the firmware. Yes. And your Sony PlayStation, you got a firmware that broke it. Well, I prefer firmwares that fix things, and that's yes. what happens on the Raspberry Pi. So with that upgrade, uh, you're actually getting the fix to the problem with Bluetooth when that's it first right. came yeah. out, which we're not going to be using Bluetooth on the device. No. But we know that Bluetooth, the, the bug that was there in the kernel, uh, was causing instability on the Raspberry Pi 3. Yes. That's all a thing of the past, so by upgrading, we now have uh, a working Pi that we can trust is going to be reliable. So now the final step here is sudo reboot and hit enter, and that's going to restart our Raspberry Pi. There we go. Oh, let's zoom out a little bit here. Nice and zippy, eh? So, as I say, this is just a vanilla install of Raspbian Jesse. Black screen as we wait for it. Don't worry, folks. There it is. Okay. All right, let's get back into our terminal, and this is where the fun begins. And hey, I want to remind you, if you're watching the show live, get into our chat room, Category 5 on Freenode. Uh, Jeff, if you want to have that up, just in case there are questions, and uh, make sure you ping Jeff and say, hey, here's a question for you. There comment. was a question, oh, yeah? totally unrelated to the Raspberry Pi. Oh, really? Yes. So We're not going to digress, are we? A little bit. All right. Somebody's still asking about Sasha. What about her? When she's coming back. When she's coming back? Yeah. Uh, we have Sasha here on August the 3rd, I believe. No, the 2nd. Is it the 2nd? Tuesday, okay. August the 2nd. So mark it in your calendars, folks. Write it on your hand and don't wash your hand for the next four weeks. Gross. But totally worth it. Yeah. All right. So she will be here. Okay. So jumping back to our Raspberry Pi, it has booted up and we've got our terminal back up and running here. So next thing that we need to do is we need to um, set up, uh, for some reason, I'll just say, uh, Raspbian uh, does not have the ability out of the box to have HTTPS sources in your oh. app sources.list. Okay. So what that means is your repositories are all going through an HTTP connection. We want to change that. We want to fix it so that we can use secure connections. So the way that we do that is sudo apt-get install, and there's this package in Debian, and it's called apt-transport-https, just like that with the hyphens at apt-transport-https, and hit enter. That's going to download that tool, that package, um, automatically and install it on our system. So now our apt-sources.list can contain HTTPS uh, repositories. Nice. That's important because the repository we're going to be tapping into tonight for, uh, for our Plex Media server is going to be using a secure transport. Okay, so jumping back there, it's already done uh, nice and quick. So the next step is that we need to actually add uh, a repository, and this one comes to us from Universität Leipzig in Germany. Uh, so we need to go into CDETC apt, and then we're going to go sudo nano sources.list. And there's our current file for Raspbian's repositories. And we want to add this particular repository, which is HTTPS. Uh, oh, I probably want to go deb, don't I? Yeah, deb. So watch this. And don't worry, 
I'm going to actually put this information in the comments below. So if you lose this uh, or if you can't follow what I'm typing on the screen, make sure you just copy and paste. That's another way you can do it. Uh, okay, so we're going HTTPS. Remember that we installed the transport for that. And we're going to dev2day.de. That's a, a server host at Universitat Leipzig. And uh, we're going to go PMS, which, uh, guys, come on now. That stands <laughs> for Plex Media Server slash dev2day-pms. Uh, oh, no, sorry. No, just I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm looking at the key. Uh, slash PMS. There we go. Space. Jesse. Main. And I should probably have a trailing slash there as well, just to be sure. Okay, so if I've got that right and I run an apt-get update, get update, sudo, I'm going to get a warning that uh, I don't have the key, and that's where I was getting ahead of myself. I need to install their key. So watch this. And you definitely want to get that key because then now it's connecting. It looks like it's working. And reading the package list. Uh, I hate when it pauses in the I last know. couple percent. Come on, 98%. <laughs> okay, so you see that GPG error? Yes. It's basically telling me we can't confirm that this particular repository is who they say they are. It's okay. HTTPS, but we don't know their, pri uh, their public key. So we don't have any way to confirm that, yeah, this is actually them. So we want to add that key to our system, to our Raspberry Pi, and that's going to protect us just in case somebody uh, goes and, you know, tries to pretend that they are them. So the way that we do that is go, uh, let's go into slash TMP. There I go. I literally, for those of you in the chat room, I literally just typed that into the chat room. <laughs> That's what happens when I've got several keyboards here. Okay, CD slash TMP, because we're going to wget a file. So uh, wget dash O dash, this is a, a uh, nice little command for you, https colon slash slash dev2day.de slash pms slash, and here's where I was, dev2day-pms.gpg.key. I could download that to temp, and that's fine, and then I could use sudo apt key to add it, but why don't we do it all in one fell swoop? Let's pipe it with a pipe. Why is it giving me a tilde? Oh, I think it's thinking that I have some kind of French keyboard. Uh, nope. That was an exc exclamation point. Oh, come on. Raspberry Pi. Do we have a keyboard detection somewhere? My keyboard doesn't have a pipe. So let's do it the, uh, let's do it the old fashioned way. And we'll just download that. There we go. So now we actually have a file in our slash TMP, uh, that is that file, which was, what did I save it to? Dev2Day dash PMS. No, I didn't output it. Let's remove that hyphen there. I'm only doing this because uh, my pipe doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I need to change my command. Okay, so I'm going to actually download that key to my current folder. Now I have a copy of it. Dash O means uh, output to this particular file name, and then hyphen just means output it to the screen. Okay. Okay, so, uh, so we're having to work around that. So now, 
if I go sudo apt key add and then the file name I believe is the syntax there we go okay so it says okay so it, you could have gotten around that by doing it all in one fell swoop by doing this let's pretend there's a pipe there okay so that's the the vertical line uh, and then you could just go sudo apt key dash uh, apt key add dash okay so that's where you could do it differently we've had to do it by downloading it first and then adding it there manually okay so not all that complicated but let's run sudo apt get update again and you'll see now because we have that key we're not going to have that gpg error at the end there so here we go so we're, we're looking at a Debian repository. This repository is containing the Plex Media Server installer application for Debian, which will run on our Raspberry Pi. So that is, see, there was no error. So now I can actually install that. So we can go sudo apt-get install. And we want to actually tell it that we're using the Jesse uh, folder or the Jesse branch of this repository. So we type dash T space Jesse. And then simply Plex Media Server, just like that. Should find it. There we go. It's asking me if I want to install it. It's going to install Plex Media Server and Plex Media Server dash installer. I'll say yes. And there we go. So what it's doing now, Jeff, is it's actually downloading Plex Media Server off of that repository that we added. And it's installing it on our Raspberry Pi. Exciting. <laughs> it's pretty cool stuff. All right. So it's grabbing a handful of things. We're going to uh, take a quick break for the news while we await that installation process. When we get back, that should be all complete. And uh, we're going to carry on by actually connecting to our Plex Media Server for the very first time. We're going to set up our media libraries so that you can see how you can use a USB flash drive. An external USB hard drive, for example, is a great way to do it. If you've got a, you know, you can have a two or three terabyte external hard drive and put all your video files on it and connect it to your Raspberry Pi. We're going to learn awesome. to do that right after the news, so stick around. Right. Over to the newsroom, here is Jeff Weston. Here I am. All right, it's Tuesday, July 5th, 2016, and here are the stories we're covering this week. London police may so soon turn to drones to give chase to motorbike thieves. Ransomware is on the rise, and you may find that it's way more than just your Windows PC. The new Ubuntu phone specs have been leaked, and it's nothing short of incredible. The first death while driving a Tesla car in autonomous mode has occurred, but it looks like the driver was watching a movie when it happened. And many of Jupiter's mysteries are soon to be uncovered as the second spacecraft in history has made orbit of the largest planet in the solar system yesterday. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, because Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about compu uh, 
consumer electronics. Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah. I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom, super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cap5.tv slash gear best. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, Now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, But of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. cat5.tv slash GearBest. That's right. Happy shopping. I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. London police are struggling to come to terms with an increase in motorbike raids, specifically in Camden and Islington. In the past 12 months, more than 3,000 thefts were recorded, many of them linked to drive-by crooks with two wheels. It's a bit to curb the rise of drive-by snatches on the streets of London. The Metropolitan Police may turn to drones to track motorbike riding suspects. At a recent meeting of the London Assembly's Police and Crime Committee, Deputy Commissioner Craig McKay said that UAVs could be a safer alternative to officers pursuing so-called moped gangs across the capital. The Met has launched a review of its pursuit tactics after an inquest found that 18-year-old Henry Hicks died in a crash during a high-speed chase. The teen, who wasn't suspected of a crime, was trying to evade two unmarked police cars and a helicopter in Islington in 2014. In order to reduce the chances of a similar incident happening again, McKay said the force is now considering its options and available tactics, which may involve the use of drones. Drones have already proven effective in day-to-day police operations, helping operators control protests and investigate intrusions. However, their use in pursuits could also save money by reducing the need for helicopter support. UAVs will be able to track and monitor the movements of potential suspects, directing ground forces to wherever they're hiding. The Metropolitan Police said that the possibilities of unmanned aerial vehicles to tackle suspects using two-wheeled and four-wheeled vehicles to commit crime are currently being discussed at a national level by the National Police Chiefs Council Steering Group and the Center of Applied Science and Technology. I think this is awesome. My only concern, though, is there's limited battery life with drones. Well, a higher-end drone is going to get you 20 to 30 minutes of battery life. But we all know from the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, well. You need more than That's the example. (laughs) When we look at a uh, chase, that's the example we want to refer back to. 
Well, that's like worst case scenario. What was it, seven hours? It sounds to me more like, though, I mean, initially when you mentioned this story, I thought, oh, people are sell- uh, stealing motorcycles. No, no, they're stealing phones. They're, they're getting on motorcycles, going and grabbing people's handbags and driving off. Yeah. So if a drone could chase them, maybe that drone could find out where they're headquartered, where they drive up to. It's possible. And a, a good drone can be up high enough in the air that you wouldn't even know it's there. That is true. And especially if the undercoating was maybe like a sky blue paint, you wouldn't even notice it. Sure. Yeah. But in order for this to happen, you have to like get the drone dispatched immediately and get it to the area it's supposed to be. True. So, and I mean, no drone is totally autonomous, so you're going to have to have somebody running it. So where would they be dispatched from? Yeah. And I mean, there's there's a lot of issues to overcome with this. I don't but it could know, be cool. though. It, it could so be done. Absolutely. Because you think about, you know, the infrastructure of wireless technology and the ability for police to put up antennas mm-hmm. throughout the city that would be repeaters. Yep. Like, we're talking 5.8 gigahertz devices. So, you know, the ability to extend their range beyond the normal range, which on a high-end drone is going to be anywhere up to, say, four kilometers. Right. Uh, and even higher on really high-end stuff. But they've got... Uh, they've got uh, crash evasion with the Intel's new technology That's and the ability true. to, you know, so if they're flying FPV, which is the first person view with goggles, they don't have to be line of sight to the drone, the police officer. Right. So they can fly it. And if, it, if they're going to hit a building, if they're flying recklessly through a, a busy corridor of cars and they're going to hit something, the aversion technology will actually avoid that crash. So theoretically, I mean, if they had a drone, say, every four kilometers, that's just stationed. You wouldn't even need repeaters then. Yeah, ready to go. And it's, okay, well, we got it in such and such area. Activate drone 32 and up she goes. I'm not sure how big the force is, but I know that flying a drone of that magnitude would be, you know, that takes skill. Oh, sure. It it really does take skill. So the training involved and the practice involved would be pretty high. That's why we're training with trainee drones. Teeny drones. Yes. <laughs> That's what they start with, right? And they're right. just in the office going, oh. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it could be done, though. And did you see that wild antenna? So That's he's probably crazy. He's, he's like, my antenna is bigger than He's in yours. FPV mode. He's in FPV mode, yeah. That is a uh, killer FPV unit. That is huge. What are those, 15-inch props? That's crazy. I don't actually know anything about the model. I'm just looking at a photo. You, for all we know, that could be a really teeny drone, but it's just hovering right in front of the <laughs> camera. <laughs> it's this big. That's right. It's the world's wow, smallest the 4K drone. <laughs> yeah, I want one. Yeah, but still, that'd be kind of cool. That would definitely be cool. All right. In a report released last month, security firm Kaspersky Lab revealed that ransomware attacks on both PC and mobile devices have risen to epidemic levels. Ransomware is a malware that prevents victims from accessing information on their PC or mobile devices. These malware, uh, malwares encrypt important files or sometimes lock the computer and force the user to pay a ransom in return for gaining back access to their system. Kaspersky reported that from April 2015 to March 2016, 
over 2.3 million PC users around the world encountered, encountered ransomware 17.7% more than the year before. That's a massive jump. Now get this, the top five countries affected by PC ransomware in 2015 were India at 9.6%, the Russian Federation at 6.41%, Kazakhstan at 5.75%, Italy at 5.25%, and Germany at 4.26%. That's 2015. Uh, mobile ransomware also skyrocketed almost four times from over 35,000 attacks for the period of April 2014 to March 2015 to more than 136,500 for the next year. Wow. That's a huge amount for mobile phones. Now get this, the top five countries affected by mobile ransomware last year was Germany at 22.9%. What? 22.9%. Are you serious? That's nutty. That's almost one in four PCs affected by ransomware in your Germany. Your phone, you're walking around and you're one in four people and you are, you're, all your files and personal stuff is gone? That's nuts. However, Canada did not make the list in 2014. 2015, we're number two. 19.61%. Oh That's one in five Canadian PCs Ouch. are affected by ransomware. Get it together, people! <laughs> it's not their fault, Jeff. Well, not really. It is. Social engineering tricks people because they're, it's smart. It's built to be smart. That's I, how they make their millions. I know. And one of these days, I'm sure I'll... Get nailed with You're going to fall and for I'm gonna it. And I'm going to be like, ha, 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 Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway. I won't actually. I'll be like, how's your backup? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Now, the United Kingdom came in at number three at 16.13%. United States at 15.64%. And Kazakhstan back on the list at 14.42%. Now, if you look at those percentages, they are massive compared to the year before. Like, I think, what was it? Kazakhstan was six point something. Now they're 142 Canada wasn't on the list. We're now one in five. That's nuts. Anyway, mobile security expert at uh, Kaspersky Lab said the extortion model is here to stay. Mobile ransomware emerged as a follow-up to PC ransomware, and it's likely that it will be followed up with malware targeting devices that are very different to a PC or a smartphone. And any connected oh. device with an internet address is at risk. Your toast has been encrypted. Yes. Insert Bitcoin to redeem your toast. <laughs> Moral of the story, live like a hobbit, just do gardening all the time, in the middle of a field, you'll be fine. You think, well, what is Internet of Things to do with CryptoLocker and other ransomware software? I know CryptoLocker is just the one that comes, that's the first one that I yeah. saw. Um, my fear is that your, your fridge, your smart fridge, your smart yes. toaster is an in-home server. Yes. So even though you may not have files, ooh, what's going to happen? My shopping list gets corrupted? Big deal, right? Not, I'm not going to pay 500 bitcoins for that. Right. But it's connected. It can go out now on your network and say, oh, there's a share. There's a network share. There's your server that has all your personal files. There's mm -hmm. the C drive of your main Windows computer. Let's encrypt that. No. And how do you get rid of it? You'd be like, where is this coming from? I've got an antivirus on my computer. Where is this coming from? It's your fridge, people. That's right. What about other things? Like you've got um, 
the brand I'm thinking of is Nest. Um, yeah, like the for home, thermometers. Yeah, and home stuff. thermometers. Mm-hmm. What happens if that gets the thermostat? Actually. Thermostat. Yeah. What happens if suddenly you get ransomware on that in the middle of the summer and your heat kicks in? Like, what happens if this... if you want to turn down the heat, send five Bitcoin? Exactly. But oh it, boy, you know, I mean, there's so many things that we get now in our homes that are connected to the internet. What if they get picked off, just like your fridge and all that? Or, or I mean, say these alarm systems. Your alarm system has yeah. been picked up by ransomware. Your alarm can't be activated until you pay whatever. Yikes! Like, imagine if suddenly yeah, the ransom a... doesn't have to be a file. That's right. Doesn't have to be your files. But how I would you know? Because there's saying, no yeah. screen that pops up. Sure. In some of these devices to say, yeah. hey, there's like it doesn't put that information yeah. out there. Uh, excuse me, ESET. Do you have uh, protection for toasters? <laughs> do you have Nod32 for toasters? Like no. What do I do? Well, yeah, and if I mean, if some of this stuff gets more sophisticated to the point where you've got, and I, and I realize I'm starting to go conspiracy theory here, but dun, you've got dun, dun. roving thieves, and they can ransomware your alarm system, where maybe it doesn't trip with the alarm company because they're seeing that it's still active, mm. but you can't do anything with it. Suddenly they come in, you get robbed. You're like, well, my system was activated. Sure. Yeah, we know your address. Yeah, it's got geolocation technology. We can see your geo coordinates, and we'll be there in 15 minutes if you don't pay. Yeah. All these possibilities. Lock your doors, folks. <laughs> hodge hot kids, hodge wives. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. After a pair of images leaked last week and following a bunch of code name references, we now have firmer proof that the next Ubuntu phone is indeed the Maez MX6. Did I say that right? Mm. Mizu? Mi- Mizu? Isn't it Mizu? Mi- Mizu? Uh, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I know nothing. All right. I actually know some things. <laughs> All right. A product info page passed to Android headlines reveals more about the model. We also have the price. The phone is set to cost 399 euros. That's around $575 Canadian when it goes on sale, which is rumored to be later this month. The 5.5-inch phone will be equipped with a MediaTek MT6797 Helio X20, which is the world's first DECA-core processor. Ten cores! Ten cores in your phone. That's exciting! I know I'm really loud, but I'm excited! This thing's crazy. Do tell me more. Okay. The chip combines a dual-core 2.3 GHz Cortex-A72 with a quad-core 2 GHz Cortex-A53 and a quad-core 1.4 GHz Cortex-A53. Because if a single 10-core processor isn't good enough for you, let's just give you two 4-core processors and a 2-core. Yeah. Love it. The phone's also <laughs> going to likely feature at least th- 3 gigabytes of RAM, 32 gigs of internal storage, a 20.7 megapixel rear camera, and 8 megapixel f- pixel front-facing camera with handle selfies, uh, sorry, that handle selfies and social events. Wow. The phone will feature a fingerprint reader like the Pro 5 and be available in a range of colors. Well, that's good. I'm excited about this. And I'm hoping... Go get one. Well, be the first. my wife's phone contract is up middle of this month. Would you get her a, an Ubuntu phone? I'm hoping <gasps> I can convince her. But darling, it has 10 cores and it's only 400 euros. Yeah. Only. 
I mean, if, That's you, if you're going to buy like a brand new, say, 32 gig iPhone or something, you're looking at 900 bucks. <laughs> you're anyway. not going to. You're not going to. Um, think about this. Ubuntu, uh, as far as you know, Canonical has wanted to do with the Ubuntu phone, uh, was to create a system that can be dockable as a desktop computer as well. Imagine okay, yep. what you could do with the power of the MX6. Yeah. And the ability to you know, plug that into your desktop and use that as a dockable computer with 10 cores. It's more than my desktop. <laughs> Way more than your desktop. I'd be pretty pleased with 8 cores. Uh, I think my desktop is 8. Yeah? I think it's an 8 core. Beautiful. I think so. Well, this is better. I know. This phone, this phone that fits in your pocket is better. Buy the desktop three Tech, weeks ago. No, suddenly, it's obsolete thanks I know, to a phone. Just like that. <laughs> Canonical. But man, I'm How excited about that phone. Next year, my phone contract is up, so I'm going to have to keep this in mind. If the wife doesn't want it, I'll take it. Sounds good. Okay. All Cheers. right. Cheers. We should try and see if we can get a donation for the show. Just like that? Just like that. Please send an MX6. We cover Please. Ubuntu enough. <laughs> nice lip quiver. Send two. <laughs> yes, two. Sasha wants an MX6. <laughs> what about this guy? Three. Three. There MX6. That's right. And <laughs> I will listen to my House of Marley headphones. Oh, you will. All right. <laughs> All right. Last week. Of, okay, this story. Ugh. This, okay, this is <sighs> sad, aggravating. And frustrating totally avoidable. and avoidable, the, uh, but sad at its heart. There, there's nothing. You know, this is. It's terrible. But, yeah. All right. <clears throat> so last week, authorities were investigating a fatal crash involving Tesla's autopilot feature. Mobileye, the company behind some of the sensor tech involved with the Tesla, said that uh, in a statement to Electech that today's collision avoidance technology or automatic emergency braking, AEB, is defined as rear-end collision avoidance and is designed specifically for that. This incident involved a laterally crossing vehicle, which current generation AEB systems are not designed to actuate upon. It's planning to add detection for that type of incident beginning in 2018, while Tesla pointed out that the combination of the box truck's design and color resulted in automatic uh, brake firing. So what happened is a, a Tesla car was driving in autonomous mode and was changing lanes and bumped into a transport truck. Wasn't there a truck that was actually crossing the highway? Yes. But because but the brakes did not fire. Because it's not meant for changing lanes, but also had to do with uh, the color. So anyway, I'll continue with the story. Yeah. Yeah. So when engaged, Tesla's autopilot feature reminds drivers to keep their hands on the wheel and remain attentive. However, the driver in the fatal incident, identified as Joshua Brown from Ohio, was watching Harry Potter on a portable DVD player when he drove under a truck and into a phone pole. So, this is a sad story. My condolences to Joshua's family. But at the same time, I, I, I just have to shake my head and go, really? It's, like, pay we put, attention. We put trust in technology, though, and when you're told it's autonomous, it's easy to 
forget that, you know what, this is a new tech. And, you know, he's paid a lot of money for it and has been using it for several months and yeah. trusts it. But the fact is, yeah, you've got to stay alert. I, I use the example of um, when cruise control came out. Right. So when cruise control came out, were people driving with their foot off the gas and brake and, oh, if someone stopped in front of me or a truck pulled out in front, I'm just going to keep going because cruise control no, of maintains course not. the speed? No, you put your foot on the brake because you're attentive. It's, yeah. it's not meant to replace you. It's meant to assist you. Right. So, you know, there's, there's, there's the, you know it's a tragic story, but we have to be wise that, you know, we, this guy should have been paying attention. There's no... You do not be watching a movie sitting behind the wheel of a car, regardless of whether it has autonomous mode or not. Right. Uh, now, the inter- I'm, I'm very interested to watch how this plays out, because the one thing that, that I'm looking at now from a legal standpoint, there is going to be challenges on this from both oh, sure. sides. Yeah. You're going to have Tesla saying, not our fault. Yeah. They weren't o- this driver wasn't operating the vehicle the way it was intended to. Sure. You're going to have the insurance company saying, whoa, this isn't the driver's fault, your car screwed up. So Mm. now you're going to have these competing interests. It's going to go to court. And I'm very interested to see the outcome because that's going to have legal precedence moving forward for so many other issues. I think beyond even just the legal end of it is just the fear of autonomous vehicles. Right. And so those who are making rules of the road and those who are making the decisions and even those who are um, opposed to autonomous vehicles are going to be able to say, see, this yeah. is not something that we should be pursuing. I mean, I, I can see that. I mean, and anybody who's against it is going to make that argument. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact is, this is the way it's going. And, and I think it was, um, uh, what's the Elon? Elon Musk. Elon from Musk. Tesla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Elon responded to this saying, look, I'm not worried about how this is going to impact our cars because this is the way things are going. Right. And, and I agree with them. I mean, this is a, a bump in the road, no pun intended, um, that they just have to overcome bugs. This is the way things are going to be going. You're not going to be, be able to stop this trend. It's not like people mm-hmm. are going to go, ooh, somebody died. We're going to pull away. I mean, if that's the case, guns would have been outlawed. What? You've been you've flown many times, and yes. there are maybe some pilots. Maybe you can, if you're a pilot in our audience, you can answer this question: When a when an aircraft is flying in autonomous mode or mm-hmm. automatic pilot, does the pilot leave the? There's cockpit? always somebody in the cockpit. There's a co-pilot yeah. or a pilot always there. That's right. Attentive. Yeah, and with the this is an airplane where there's nothing around. Yeah. There are no other airplanes next to it on either side cutting it off and cutting in front of it. Yeah. And as far as I know, the pilot or co-pilot is there, attentive, ready to take the reins if something goes wrong. Right. So, I don't know. This this story just... So, I just don't think it's the technology. I think it's people's interpretation of the technology. Sure. To me, it's user error, and I'm... Sorry if Josh it's was Harry Pot- Potter's fault. <laughs> That's right. You should use the Patronus charm. It is the it's Hollywood's fault. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that wonders if there's going to be some lawsuit of this. If it wasn't for such a great movie like Harry Potter, he would have stayed alive. Therefore, we're suing Warner Brothers. Jeff, I think that's a stretch. Hey, 
People get burned <laughs> with hot coffee and they sue the coffee shop. So this is true. Yeah. And unfortunately, they win because there are crooked that's, judges. That's right. I guess. <laughs> All right. Moving on to something uh, that's. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Better news. Better news. Soaring over Jupiter's poles, a NASA spacecraft arrived at the solar system's largest planet yesterday on a mission to peek behind the cloud tops. The final leg of the five-year voyage ended as the solar-powered Juno spacecraft fired its main rocket engine and gracefully slipped into orbit around Jupiter. Mission controllers celebrated when Juno sent back radio signals confirming it reached its destination. In the weeks leading up to the encounter, Juno snapped pictures of the giant planet and its four inner moons dancing around it. Scientists were surprised to see Jupiter's second largest moon, Callisto, appearing dimmer than expected. The spacecraft's camera and other instruments were switched off for arrival, so there weren't any pictures at that key moment. Scientists have promised close-up views of the planet when Juno skims the cloud tops during the 20-month, $1.1 billion mission managed by NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Juno is only the second mission designed to spend time at Jupiter. Galileo, which launched in 1989, circled Jupiter for nearly a decade, beaming back views of the planet uh, and its numerous moons. It uncovered signs of an ocean beneath the icy surface of the moon uh, Europa, considered a top target in the search for life outside of Earth. Juno's mission is to peer through Jupiter's cloud-soaked atmosphere and map the interior from a unique vantage point above the poles. Among the lingering questions, how much water exists? Is there a solid core? And why are Jupiter's southern and northern lights the brightest in the solar system? How cool. This is really cool. I love what we're doing with exploring our solar system. And uh, we are just on the threshold. It's so cool. It seems like, oh, yeah, Jupiter has never been mapped in that way. Like. Juno is able to see through the the atmosphere and through the outer core, uh, the outer covers, and 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 kind of you know unveil what we've never been able to see before. Yeah. So that's cool. And this is five year old technology. Yes. So as propulsion gets better and things pick up, you know, maybe there's something something there that we can get excited about. We'll see. See, what I love about this is I think about my kids. Mm. I mean, I've growing up knowing what Jupiter looked like with that storm in the bottom corner and that's about it you know it's a big planet but now my kids in school are gonna get real-time as it comes in knowledge going oh yeah sure you know it turns out there are little green men yes on the moon Europa I love it it's totally cool (laughs) all right so if they do find alien life on Europa do they say Eureka? Europa or Eureka? I maybe it changed the vernacular a little bit. Maybe. All right, we'll see. Maybe they'll yell. <laughs> you know. Jupiter. You heard it here first, folks. That's right. Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story that you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston. Thanks, Jeff. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find our website at www.category5.tv. Welcome back to the show. Our... Ow! <laughs> Ow! WSIP. <laughs> our awesome minority report clock that you can't actually touch. 
from shop.category5.tv. You know, technically, is you showing can say that tonight that you we're, stopped time. We're over. Yeah, I stopped time, folks. Ah! See how it works? It's just a little LED that... Whoa, that's trippy. And it actually puts the numbers upright. Ah. <laughs> that is so cool. It's like... Awesome. Oh. Anyways, uh, it tells me that we're out of time. So have a great night, and we'll see you later. Unless you want to go long. I, I'm okay with I vote for long. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so we're looking at Raspberry Pi as a Plex media server. Tonight, uh, we've started installing it. Let's bring up our Pi. There we go. It's all done. So all your talking, Jeff, over the news gave us enough time to install Plex media server. It was actually done during the first story. Ah, there you go. Well okay, done. so now that we've installed Plex Media Server, as we demonstrated here, the next step is to simply reboot, sudo reboot our Raspberry Pi, and there we go. So it's going to go through that reboot process. Why do you expect that we want to do that? Well, fact is, is uh, your Plex Media Server is a web server of sorts. So there are so many different things being installed and different packages that are being activated that rebooting is going to make sure that all of those are up and running and right. working well. So it's a good step at the end of it to, to reboot. Um, and also, your Raspberry Pi is a micro SD card, so rebooting syncs the file system and makes sure that if there is a, a power outage or something, that the file system is, yep. you know, everything's saved. Speaking of your micro SD, one of the things that you could do, Jeff, is uh, you could purchase something like a 128 gigabyte uh, micro SD. They come like they're really, it's really tiny and yet really huge. Look at the size of this chip. And for those who have been in computing as long as me, I find it amazing that that has 128 gigabytes of storage on it. Yeah, considering that like a, a one megabyte hard drive was an entire wall back then. 40 years ago. My RLL hard drives were 20 megabytes, and they were three, they were like this. Three, three U is what it was called. So the whole bay of the front of your computer, they were huge, but very tiny capacity-wise. Now it's the complete opposite. So that said, you could, if you wanted to put your media library on the Raspberry Pi so that you don't have to connect external devices, you could buy a larger capacity SD right. card. Um, the advantage to that, of course, is that you don't have to have wires coming out. The disadvantage right. is micro SD is going to be reading and writing as you watch videos. And so you're going to, uh, you're going to reduce the life of your micro SD card. Because it's the operating system, it's nice to just have it running and then have your actual media streaming from another device. Yep. So you can use an external hard drive. That would be what I do. Um, so we've got a 32 gigabyte chip in there, my, uh, micro SD. That's got just our operating system in Plex now. And we're going to use external devices to store our actual media files. Right. An external uh, USB hard drive can be three, four, eight terabytes. I mean, whatever you want to do. Uh, and just keep, keep your media on that. And then you can access it from your Plex device. Okay, so let's jump back over. This is finished booting up. And uh, now there's nothing really to do on that screen. If I bring up my actual computer now, so a completely separate system, I should be able to now access that Raspberry Pi uh, Plex server through my computer's web browser. Right. Because I'm on the same network. Right. Okay. The one thing that I do need, however, is I need to know the IP address of the Raspberry Pi. quick way that I could do that is to actually bring up the terminal and type sudo ifconfig, and you'll see a list of the different... Um, 
networking devices, and I can see that my network on Ethernet is 192.168.0.105. So if we jump over to my computer, let's go to 192.168.0.105, and then we need to specify the port. And the default port on a Plex Media server is, you're going to need to memorize this, 32400. All right. And then slash web. You're going to want to bookmark that. Now, this is the moment of truth. So I'm pausing purposefully because if all went well, and I'm hoping it did, our Raspberry Pi should now be a Plex Media server. All right. Are we ready? I'm going to hit enter on this. Oh, and there look we at go. That. Through my browser, I now have Plex running. I can hit F11 and make it full screen, and that's a beautiful device. Oh, okay, so yeah. we're going to agree to this, and uh, we need to sign in. So this is your device, Jeff. So yep. what we're going to actually do is I'm going to get you to use your username and password. Is this one or the other keyboard? It's actually this keyboard. This so, keyboard is the Raspberry Pi that right, we're right. actually connecting from our computer. So I won't bring it up on the screen because that's private. So... He's just logging in with a pre-existing uh, Plex account. So um, you see that there is a sign-up option there as well. So you've obviously already gone through that. Now, how did you find that process? Oh, it was really quick, really easy. And uh, did it cost you money to do that? Or? Um, the Plex server, is free. Yeah, the media the server, server is free. was free. I think the app was five ninety five. And what did you install that on? Uh, my, my phone. Okay. And you installed it on your Roku too as well? Uh, yes, Have it's you? on the Roku too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you've got Plex client on your phone and your Roku too. Yes. Which are now going to connect into your Plex media server, which is the Raspberry Pi. Right. Okay. So let's go through the steps together, Jeff. Um, this is giving us an introduction to Plex Pass. Uh, it tells you that you can sign up for monthly service, and this is what you're going to get. Do you want these things? Um, you can decide whether you want to or not. I'm going to say, you know what? No, we're not going to today. But you can always add that at any point. Mm -hmm. Okay, give it a friendly name so that you uh, have a way to identify Plex in your app. So let's call this our Plex Media Server. Does that work? Can Works you have spaces? Me. Let's give it a go. Uh, okay, so allow me access to my media outside of my home. There's that question that you had. Yep. Plex will attempt to automatically configure your network to allow access to your Plex media server from Plex apps outside of your home. Nice. So it's going to actually use automatic features to be able to configure your router for you with uh, UPnP, for example, um, something along those lines to pre-configure your router. That's beautiful. You want that? I do. All right, let's go next. This is exciting. Now, just a comment. Um, Good guy ninety eight in the chat room is saying that uh, Rasplex is also a Plex client for Pi. So you could purchase more Raspberry Pi units, which have uh, a beautiful HDMI output. Mm -hmm. I know it's ten eighty p. It might might be higher than that. Is it two point seven k? I think it's ten eighty. Okay. Uh, you can look I, that up. I haven't paid That's, attention. But, but so, so you get full HD anyways, uh, at the very least. And so you can, you can actually install that as your OS on a Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, this, is the Raspberry, this Raspberry Pi 3 is our Plex Media Server. Right. This is the one that's doing all the encoding. So it's doing the hard work. You could probably get away with running, what is it called? Raspplex.com? Raspplex.com. With only one P. R-A-S-P-L-E-X.com. With that, you could install that on a Raspberry Pi 2, save yourself some coinage, 
Yep. And it will most, I would assume, is going to run great anyways because all the encoding, the transcoding is happening on here. That right. said, if you don't mind paying the extra, get the Raspberry Pi 3. It's 66% faster than the Raspberry Pi 2. It's and beautiful. And exponentially faster than the, the first-gen Raspberry Pi. So if you can do it, grab a bunch of those. So with that, you can then, now you've set up clients all over your house. You've got one taped to the back of your TV. And You're good to go. all of your systems have Plex on them and whatever else you want to have on it. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty decent. Tonight, we're just looking at the server component, and we are accessing it through our web browser. The next thing is it's asking us to add our media library, which we don't presently have. So that's where we say, okay, now we want our media library. I've got my USB flash drive. Right. I wouldn't suggest using a USB flash drive for this on an ongoing basis because, again, like a micro SD card, you're going to prematurely wear your USB flash drive. You might want to have a good, solid, external hard drive, be it a spinning or an SSD. It's going to work. uh, It's it's just they're built for uh, constant reads and writes, uh, more so than something like this is, which is meant to store a couple documents on, transfer it to your laptop, and then remove them. So, okay, so I'm going to plug this into the Raspberry Pi here. There are four USB ports, so you've got plenty of space. The Raspberry Pi doesn't need anything other than um, your uh, Ethernet. Okay. Okay, so you don't have to have it plugged into a TV. You don't have to have a keyboard plugged into it now that we're done setting it up. We can actually use SSH to now remote into it and configure things. That's true. But you know what? It is nice to be able to use the GUI. And when I plugged in that uh, removable media, you see that it actually, um, it actually found it. And it's got it. So let's open it in File Manager, and you'll see that it actually threw it in slash media, slash pi, slash, and then this EC so on and so forth. So that device is now detected and ready to go. Okay, so you'll see that I actually have, this is the Raspberry Pi screen, um, I actually have all this stuff on here. So in my home movies folder, I've got, um, let's see, that is an MPEG video, you see at the bottom there, MPG. Mm-hmm. I've got one that is an MTS, which you're going to have trouble playing on a lot of connected devices. Yes. And I've got a WMV. Three very different file formats, yes. uh, Windows Media uh, format. Um, you know, sometimes you need to install encoders and decoders and things like that. So we're going to see if this is going to work right out of the box with Plex. So this is just a very basic media library that I've created. You you see that I've sorted these Jeff into home videos, movies, music, and TV shows. Right. Right. The reason for that is I actually want to set up each of those folders as a different media library on Plex okay. so that I don't have home movies intertwined with my movies library. Makes right? sense. And you can even go a step further if your library is huge and break it up into categories. So I have TV shows drama, TV shows crime, TV right. shows sci-fi. Okay. And those are individual folders which I've added individually to Plex. Right. Okay. Okay. So now from my interface, this is my web browser on my computer. Okay. So I'm actually looking at this through my web browser connected into the Raspberry Pi. Uh, I'm going to click Add Library because I now know that my Plex Media Server here has that USB drive plugged in. 
I can set that up. Remember, this is Debian, right? So I could set that up in FS tab so that it automatically mounts to the same place every time. But I'm plugging it in and leaving it in, so it's always going to be the same. It's got the same um, the same ID and everything. Right. So that's fine. But if you want, to, if you have any trouble with it changing, or if you uh, change the drive, the drive name is going to change. So then you can go into uh, do a quick Google search or search in your favorite search engine for uh, permanent uh, mount external hard drive FS tab file system table is what it stands for and uh, that will show you how to do that it's nice and easy and we've actually covered it several times on the show here so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that tonight but in this case so now let's uh, let's start with movies okay. okay so we're gonna call this movies we can name it whatever we like um, so this is where you could say movies sci-fi right. right okay but I've got all of them in one folder so i'm going to click next browse for your media folder now we know that that is in well <laughs> look at that it's it's put it right there uh let's see what we can find uh, does this let me go right into it let's try going into slash media pi where's my media come on is it just taking time to think or um oh there it's added then if you hit add library that's the whole drive, though. Okay, well, it's scanning everything. That's movies. Hmm. Mm, let's let's actually go into Plex because we're looking at yeah. Let's let's actually go next without adding a library. Okay. And skip over this whole step. Send anonymous usage data to Plex. I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that, Jeff? Yeah, sure. Why not? This is going to help them to develop it. Okay, so now that I'm in Plex, let's try adding a library here and see if it's any different as far as what we get. Oh, okay. what about? Add folders. We'll see when I click next, it selects that. Now oh, I can, okay, now I can browse for it. And it's not showing me the whole folder tree. Hmm. I'm looking, folks. Now, what if you clicked your USB, threw in your slash, your forward slash, and then typed? I could grab, let's see if, okay, let's go over here. And let's say, okay, home videos, okay? Normally, this would be uh, incredibly seamless. I, I, it may be the USB. You know what? Let's, Jeff, can I go with the FS tab route just in sure. case? It's because yeah. uh, we're allowing this to automatically mount itself. So let's actually cancel out of that. And I am going to show you that after all. I wasn't intend intending to. Uh, but let's do it. Um, let's do it that way. Okay, so what we know is that this drive is currently mounted. So if we go to our terminal, nice thing about it being mounted is we can find out the device ID really, really easy by clicking, by typing. And if I type it in the right window here, sudo mount, and that's going to show us the device is, do, 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 there it is, dev slash SDA1. Okay, so I'm going to remember that dev slash sda1 do you see what i'm seeing there i see it it is looking in media slash pi that's the the actual mount point okay so i'm going to unmount that sudo u mount dev uh nope pardon me media pi ec32 and now it's unmounted okay so it's gone from my system yep. but i know that it was dev slash sda1 so sudo nano etc fs tab Let's actually make it a part of our file system. I think that's probably going to work better for us. So the first thing that we do here, this is the file system table. This tells our Raspberry Pi what drives to look for and um, mount 
at boot time. Right. Okay, okay. so this is always going to be the same. So all we need to do is tell it what, uh, what we're mounting and where. So first of all, we're going to say dev slash sda1 was the drive name, and then hit tab. And then we're going to tell it where we want to mount it. Now, we haven't created a mount point yet, but we will. So what we're going to do, we're going to call it slash mnt slash library. And do not forget that, because you're going to need to actually create that mount point. Uh, this is a FAT32 drive, so we're going to use vfat. Uh, if it's NTFS, you would use NTFS. If it's uh, EXT4 or 3, you do that as uh, as it would be. Uh, you can read the man pages or just do a quick search on the internet uh, for uh, FSTAB for the formatting. Uh, we're going to use defaults for this, and we're going to go 0, 0. And what that does is it says, when I boot up my computer, uh, the Raspberry Pi, don't scan this thing. Don't go through a file system check or anything like that. Just, just let her boot. Okay, so if I Control-O to save that because I used nano and now I need to create that mount library so cd slash mnt there's nothing there so sudo make dir library okay so now there's a folder here that is empty and we're going to create a mount point out of it one thing that I love to do before I mount anything on a mount point is I use chatter plus i and then the the mount point okay uh, I need to be super user to do that so now when I go into the library folder, you'll notice it still looks the same, but if I try to touch a file, it will fail, okay? The reason that I do that is because my mount point, if the drive is for some reason not mounted, I don't want things accidentally being saved to the mount point right. as opposed to the drive, because then when I do plug in the drive, it will fail to mount because there's stuff in the mount point. Right. So okay. I've just stopped it from being able to write to the mount point when it is not mounted. Okay, so now if I type uh, sudo mount a for mount all, now if I do an ls, is it grabbing it? sudo, oh, you know what? I need to get out of the folder because of chatter. Go back into it. There it is. Okay, so now if I touch test, sudo touch test because it's owned by root, it created the file just fine. Okay, sudo rm test. So now we need to change the ownerships here to pi. So we're going to go sudo chown pi uh, dash r for recursive pi pi, I think is right. Uh, and then we're going to go library. Changing ownership operation not permitted. Did I use super user do? Um, we'll set the permissions. Why would it not let me change the ownership? It might be read only, which is fine. Dev SDA, it's read write. No, it is obviously read write. Okay, well that's. N I love it when I you know start showing you something and it fails, and it really doesn't actually matter because we're only reading from this drive anyways. It is our video library, so you know I don't want to spend time figuring out permissions and things. I could see a, if I was writing to this for some other reason, I could change the ownership, I could change the permissions. I don't really think it matters. What we want to know is now can Plex mount from slash MNT slash library. So that's where we go back to our computer here and let's try adding a library movies. We're going to call it movies. We're going to browse for media folder and let's hope MNT 
library. Look at that. There you have it. Okay, so we've learned something here tonight together, folks, that it's good to not trust the GUI. Um, do it through the terminal. Do it the right way. Use FSTab. Mount it properly. And uh, as I say, we're only reading from this drive, so I don't need to worry about the permissions. If you do, um, you can use chmod, chown to set the permissions. I'm not too sure what they should be on a Pi, but it doesn't matter in this particular instance. And we can deal with that uh, on another episode. So let's go into movies because this is our movies folder and we're going to add. So now add library and you're going to see it has no content but it just suddenly picked up the prestige. Okay. okay. So there's nothing there. There's no thumbnails, nothing. That's fine. Uh, let's go home and we see a movies and oh, what's it doing? It's spinning its wheels. Nice. Okay. Let's add another library. So we're going to go over here libraries and click on the plus and we're going to go TV shows, and it's called TV shows, and we're going to go next, and we're going to browse to our library, which is in slash MNT library and TV shows and add. Okay, so you notice that one ha actually had a subfolder. Did you notice that? Right I at the last moment that. there, yeah. Doctor Who is in a subfolder. Okay, and that's cool too. It doesn't have to be uh, in the top level. It can be all, all organized for you. Add library. Now, TV shows are a little bit different because they have to conform to the formatting of S01E01 for season one, episode one. Right. If you don't have that formatting, Plex will not know how to deal with it. It won't know what it is. Okay, good So to know. when you add a show, uh, make sure you include S01E01, S01E02. Right, uh, S02 for season two, E01. No spaces in that, all caps. All right, that's important. So you'll notice that uh, that that started importing Doctor Who season one. Okay, let's go home again and let's. Oh, look at that! The look prestige that. is loaded. Uh, we're going to look a little closer at that in a couple of moments' time. Notice I didn't have to do anything or tell it anything, other than just add my library. Let's add again, and we're going to go uh, home videos. Okay. This is important that you use the home videos category because Plex is not going to know where my daughter going to the strawberry festival is as far as cover right. art and descriptions and things. So we're going to select home videos and then browse for our media folder, go into where we created our mount point, and there it is. Okay, add library, and now we've got a handful that are going to be loading in. Next up, add another library, and I wanted to also show you that Plex supports music playback, not just videos. So let's go next and browse to our music folder on my media, MNT Library Music. And we see a few CDs there organized into subfolders. So what do we want to do? Create a basic music library, or we can, if we want, pay for a premium Plex music library, which gives us access to artwork, artist bios, additional stuff. So there are advantages, and you read the details about why you might want to subscribe to Plex Pass. Right. Right now, we're going to create a basic library. Where do you want to import the info from? From iTunes? Uh, included in your dashboard? Use embedded tags? Yeah, you might want to do that. And uh, when scanning your library, use embedded tags if present using the agent, personal media artists, or Last.fm. Last.fm, of course, if they're kind of official CDs, if it's private music that you've created yourself, personal media artists would be the one. And go through and choose, set it up how you want. You can always delete and recreate the library. It's not going to actually delete your media. Right. Okay. So now I've got some home videos here oh, that are that. loading That's in. a screenshot. It's created a screenshot from the video. Let's look at the prestige. So when I click on it, we see a couple of different things. We see that 
the community of Plex users and online have given it four out of five stars. We see the rating, we see the category, the year, the description, actors, everything and even the quality here and then we can just click play now remember i'm looking at this through my browser we're streaming this from a roku 3. it's put it into full screen mode and if all goes well this is kind of the moment of truth right because we're doing a lot on that raspberry pi 3. yeah there's a lot of loading going on right now as there well. is a ton of stuff going on right now um, because we're importing and and it's accessing the internet and getting cover art and everything but it's playback is Look at that. Beautiful and smooth. So that file, I'm not even sure what file format it was, uh, but it's playing. So uh, let's go into my home media library. Uh, so this is our dashboard. This is showing us um, you know, the, current, the most recently added stuff. But over on the left-hand panel here, I can actually go into movies, music, TV shows, or home videos. And those are the folders that I created. So if I click on home videos, you'll actually see the videos. So if I click play now on one of these, it'll tell me the name of it, when it was filmed, the quality, and so on. Okay, so hit play. And remember that this, these formats for the home videos were all different formats. Okay, so right now, as we wait for this moment, Plex is actually saying, okay, what's the current format of the file? What are you streaming it to? What do I need to convert it to on the fly in order to play it to this particular device? And there it goes. Look at that. Brilliant. Wow, your kids are so little. They're so tiny. Okay, so now let's, uh, let's go back and let's click on the one that was the, I'm assuming the third one was the WMV file. Yes. yes. Oh, yes, it, it says WMA2. So there you go. So click on that. And let's see what, what happens. You know, can Plex play WMV to my devices? And the answer is yes. Yes, it can, because it transcodes on the fly. And that's what we did tonight, was create that Raspberry Pi Plex media server, which is allowing it right now, as it thinks, to convert that to a format that's playable on my device. Look and there that. you go. Wow. It says, okay, the server is not powerful enough to convert this video for smooth playback. Okay, okay. so that is, so that's the answer to, is the Raspberry Pi powerful enough for this? It may have some stuttering issues. So what could cause that? One, ready for this? It's going to yep. surprise you. I have a slow USB flash drive that I'm using there. Right, that would make sense. Okay, get a fast USB drive. USB, uh, like, look at the specs of it. The read speed should be super fast. That's where, again, an external hard drive is going to perform way better. However, looking at Plex, we can actually go into the settings on the fly and change the bit rate. Look at that. Okay, so on the fly, I can actually downgrade the bit rate to something lower so that it's going to play a little bit better on my device. If you hit snags, if you have trouble, that's a possibility for you as well. So upgrade that hard drive. Make sure it's a nice, fast one. The external hard drive is going to be the best option for you. Let's see if this plays any better at, uh, at a lower bit rate here. As we wrap up our, our special tonight on creating a Plex media server using a Raspberry Pi 3, and it is working fantastically well. Jeff, I want to know how it runs with your external hard drive. So let oh, us yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Well, for sure. Um, it, it is going to perform even better with that because the media is going to be a lot faster. I'm um, excited about this. And there you have it. Wow, so good times. It is taking a little longer to transcode to a lower bit rate because it's got to think and pro, you know, it's got to right. do all that. Uh, but I, I think the Raspberry Pi is going to do it, folks. And you know what is really beautiful about the Raspberry Pi? You can set it up, you can play around, you can do all this stuff, and then you can throw a different SD card in it. And 
or retro wipe yeah or wipe the sd card and uh and put something else on it there's there's really no limit to what you can do uh, the performance issues that i have right now with transcoding guaranteed those are going to be uh, at least improved by upgrading the hard drive because i'm just using a cheap usb 2.0 flash drive right and it, i mean it was still processing thing as as well yeah. i mean i'm seeing it on the screen finish processing this finish processing this so i mean it's doing a lot, lot of, of back end if stuff. we go back here and you'll see now there's our music library it's got the cover art even though yep. we don't have a um, special account uh, Doctor Who. If I go into the Doctor Who folder, you see that the episodes themselves have loaded yep. and continue to load. And in fact, it will show me uh, this will continue to load. Uh, out, finished processing, it just said. So let's see if it gives us more information now. Uh, as it loads, it's actually saving the uh, information about this particular series. So eventually, you know, within the next little, you know, 20 minutes or so, we're going to have a full description of the episode. We're going to have the... Re- just like the movie. Just like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole it, thing. All that information. For the there. episode, on an episode-by-episode episode basis. Jumping back to our Plex Media server, uh, you know, click on Piano Guys, and there's all the music. You can click on a particular song, and it's going to start playing. Uh, and there you go. It's, it's your all-round multimedia device for home and uh, that's plex media server the device itself is the raspberry pi 3 get it at cat5.tv slash pi spelled p-i and of course plex media server if you follow the directions tonight it's free to install and then you just need that app for your devices to be able to play it six bucks so you get a roku 2 you throw it on there for a couple bucks and you're good to go for life yep there you go and uh now i can sit here and Using my House of Marley Bluetooth headphones, hook up oh. the Bluetooth there. Oh, yes, it has Bluetooth. You could actually, you could actually hypothetically yeah. do that. Nice, exciting. Man, what a good show! Tons oh, of stuff covered tonight. Cheers. I love it. <laughs> you still keep trying to chop off your finger. Ah, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. I hope you had fun. I certainly did. I always enjoy the show and love having you here. Jeff? Pleasure. Chat room was hopping tonight. I kept looking over. I mean, tons of activity, lots of interaction. Sorry if we missed you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tons going on. Uh, but hey, enjoy, and uh, thanks so much for being here tonight. That's all the time that we have. Actually, we're a little over time. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that you have a fantastic week. So we'll see you next Tuesday night. And if you have a Tesla, do not watch this episode while driving. Please don't. Just not don't do it. it. We are, we, are, we are worth it, but no, that is not worth it. For the record, no texting and driving. Yeah. Okay. What are you talking about? Just, Never just do putting that. that out there. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> Night.